Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. Our guest today is Noah Kerner, CEO of Acurns, a mobile savings and investment platform that has raised hundreds of millions of dollars from PayPal, Bain Capital Ventures, BST Global, NBC, Comcast, Graycroft, as well as a long list of Hollywood celebrities, including The Rock and Jennifer Lopez. Originally from New York City's East Village, Noah is a four-time entrepreneur who at one point DJed for Jennifer Lopez, built a creative agency in his 20s, and is also a co-founder of the shareholder rights fintech startup called Say, whose CEO was also a guest on this podcast back in April of 2020. We talked about Noah's eclectic background, where he only pursues projects that make him come alive, his journey at Acorns and the evolution and challenges of the company over the years, his approach to building company culture, defining corporate values and recruiting talent, the surprising effects of COVID on their business, entrepreneurial advice, and a whole lot more. And now join me in a fascinating conversation with Noah Kerner. Well, Noah, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. Extremely, extremely excited to have you here. Uh, maybe we can get started by uh, hearing about your personal story. My pleasure and thanks for having me. So I grew up in New York City in the East Village. I was a public school kid and I was also a competitive tennis player. So I had this interesting day and night dichotomy where I would go to school with a lot of kids who didn't have a lot. And then I would play tennis at night with kids who had a lot. I was a child of hip hop culture in the sense that I grew up with it all around me. I was passionate about it. I got into groups like Public Enemy from a really, really early. And at 14, I was deciding between drums and turntables. I decided on turntables you know, lock myself in my room for two years to get really good at the art of turntablism, not just DJing, scratching, beat juggling, this kind of thing. And for high school, I ended up going to private high school. And then at 16, I started DJing hip hop nightclubs. So the sort of my world flipped, you know, in the sense that by day, I was going to school with a lot of wealthy kids from the city. And at night, I was experiencing some different environments. And that was like a little bit of the story of my life is like, you know, moving between these different worlds. And when I trace the sort of interest in what we're doing today and this sort of idea of helping to level the playing field or, you know, broadening access, putting the tools of wealth making in everybody's hands. I, for me, I trace it all the way back to those experiences of navigating these different worlds and seeing what it's like on both sides. Actually, and for me, connecting more with what it's like on, on the side of the kind of quote unquote have nots. And, you know, after college, I was a pretty stubborn person. And I think I realized that I would never be super successful working for other people. So I went down the entrepreneurial path too, because of that, you know, so right out of college, started my own thing. And that became the course of my life. It's been a really exciting ride of starting and building companies a bunch of creative work. I, I had the chance to write a book in my mid to late 20s, which was really exciting. And doing things I've been really passionate about, things that make me come alive. 
And that transition in kind of in my 30s happened to things that make me come alive, but also things that I feel like are really contributing back to society. Fascinating. Well, now you're leading Acorns and we have a lot to unpack there, but let's start with one thing. This is an interesting list to me. The Rock, Bono, Kevin Durant, Jennifer Lopez, A-Rod, Ashton Kutcher, and that's not the VIP list for the hottest Hollywood party. Those are some of your investors, right? How the hell did you get so many celebrities to invest? I think there's a couple of reasons for it, right? I mean, first to clarify what Acorns is, Acorns is a product that helps everyday Americans save and invest every day. And when you think about that list of people, it resonates really well with that list of people from the perspective of understanding where they came from and what they didn't have. So I think for all of our backers, there's a personal connection to a product that they wish they had when they were young. So that's probably the foundational thing for all of them. You know, I think there's a lot of people with a lot of integrity and they do things they're passionate about and get behind things they're passionate about. So I like the rock is a great example of his life story and the company he created seven bucks productions, which was named because he started with seven bucks in his pocket. And that story is, you know, it's very germane to what acorns is all about. The other part of it is like, you know, back to the, my background, I've been in all kinds of hip hop music, different industries and things like that. So just, I used to DJ for Jennifer Lopez when I was like really young. So I have worked to build and maintain relationships. In my view, relationships are so fundamental to everything, you know, you do. I look at it as like, you know, something that might take you a month to do. If you have really good relationships, you might be able to do in a day. And it just allows you to unlock a lot. And for me, maintaining relationships with people who are interesting and courageous, have their own point of view, it also makes life more fascinating. Outstanding. So tell us about Acorns. Tell us about your journey. I know, you, you know you've been almost since day zero with the company. Tell us why did you decide to join and how has that evolved? I think, again, you know, there's a great quote that says, don't do more of what the world needs, do what makes you come alive. And I hit this kind of transition point where what makes me come alive changed from just things I'm passionate about to things I felt like would contribute more to society. And the idea of helping to level the playing field is something that I, I felt really connected to, like I said, because of some of my childhood things. And also, it just feels like right now, the world really needs this. The country really needs it. So if you can focus your energy on something like, like that, it's worthy to do that. And, and at the basic level, like I said, Acorns, Acorns is about putting the tools of wealth making in everybody's hands. We started with making it really easy to save and invest spare change. Everybody has spare change, but pretty much nobody besides a small group of people know how to invest. Actually, 60% of our customers are, have never invested before. So that was the first thing is like providing a way for everybody else to invest and unlock the power of compounding. You can't save your way to wealth. You can't save your way past inflation. You need to be able to invest if you want to start building a future. So that was the beginning. There's other ways to invest. And then we added a retirement account to make it easy for people to start saving for a retirement account with some tax savings. We added an investment account for kids because half of our customers are parents. We want to make it really easy for them to invest in their kids. So that product is called Acorns Early. And it really is the easiest way to invest for your kids. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you, these types of accounts, 529s, UGMAs, UTMA, it's very complicated. Where do you go to do it? How do you set it up? What, what type should you pick? We just kill all that noise. And backing up to like, what are the things, you know, 
I think one of the things we believe in and that we've innovated on, we also believe deeply in financial literacy and education. And we were really the first company in this space to bring product and education together with real journalism and product. We believe in the power of unlocking, you know, changing behavior at the moment of decision-making is something we like to say. And that if you're going to get people engaging in these types of behaviors who are new to it, you have to bring education to the party. And then we think, what are other ways to help people save and invest more money? Well, you shop at all these different retailers, Nike, Apple, Airbnb, Uber, Postmates, Target, Walmart, whatever, wherever you shop. What if we captured some rewards from that behavior and automatically invested that into your Acorns account for you? So we built a whole product that does that. So when you shop at any one of 350 retailers, they invest in your Acorns account as a reward for shopping. And then you know, to keep building, like what are other ways to help you save and invest more? Well, the way you spend impacts your ability to save and invest. Overspending is a really big culprit in terms of people's lack of saving and investing. So let's build a banking product that helps people spend less and save and invest more. At the center of everything we are is about helping everyday Americans save and invest for the future. Our roadmap is defined by what are the different avenues to help us unlock that potential more for people, if that makes sense. No, it does. Absolutely. But I can also imagine, particularly in the early days, you must have had some challenges, particularly being one of the early players in this space, and in some cases, the first one. When you look back, what have been some of those biggest challenges and how did you overcome? Yeah. I think if you're trying to do anything new, whether it's the whole thing or a new product or feature, whatever, you're always coming up against disbelief. You know, If you're trying to do something new, people don't believe it because they've never seen it or they've never used it. So it's a constant process of having the courage, I think, to fight through disbelief. And that's a never-ending challenge, right? Like any entrepreneur or person who has a vision for how something could be is going to come up against a lot of disbelief, a lot of naysayers, a lot of people who externally and sometimes internally who just think this doesn't make sense, this can't be, this isn't going to work, whatever. So you really have to have a singularity of vision and courage to drive through that and very deep conviction in what it is that you're doing. That has to be there. I would say that's really paramount, courage. By the way, the other side of that is knowing what to say no to. For me, that's a really, really important quality for somebody building something because a focus is also fundamental. Like if, if you're trying to do too many things, you're going to create disorder, confusion. So to say no to lots of things means you're staying really focused. But back to the point of courage, if you're staying really focused on a few things, that means you're giving up all these opportunities and that's a risk. So a lot of it comes back to courage, courage to fight through, courage to say no, courage to stand up and speak when other people are sitting down, courage to stand up for what's right. That can be with investors and the board or whatever, you know, whatever exogenous fact or ex- external factors there are, you know, pressures and things to hit revenue goals. You bring up a, a really good point, which is you're going to have challenges internally, right? And, and you have to have some sort of mechanism and internal culture to figure out these challenges and, and, you know, to execute your vision. So when you think of talent, right? What's your approach to building talented team? And then once new employees join the company, what kind of culture will they find? Let me start with the second one because 
this is about sitting down and doing the early work to establish what values you want to have inside your company. Establish them, write them down, and put them into place in every possible way. Make them easy to remember. Make them a small group so that people understand. And then make sure you embody those values all the time. I always bring, we have five, five values. They're all three words. They're pretty easy to remember. Lead with heart, make bold decisions, always build trust, never stop growing and find a way. Those are our five values. And if you frame things up against those values, it's a lot easier for people to understand why you make decisions, you know? So make bold decisions is one of our values. That means we're going to take risks. We're going to be adventurous and we're going to fuck some things up. So get ready for that. And don't go, wait, why did we try that? Well, we tried that because we make bold decisions. Never stop growing is a value. That's about personal openness and curiosity, humility, right? Like you're going to get feedback and critique and you're going to have to be collaborative and listen. And this is part of the never stop growing value. So I would say really put in the early work to establish those things. We did it very collaboratively with the team, the process of developing the values themselves. You know, I like to do it collaboratively. At some point, you need to make a decision and say, you know, these are, and of course you need to lead that process, but, but having people engaged in the process and having a stake in it is good. The part about talent, I think any leader, whether you're leading a whole company or you're leading a team or a department, like if you're not spending a lot of your time on HR related activity, meaning recruiting, talent development, one-on-ones, team building, providing feedback, I spend a lot of my time back to the relationship building stuff, building relationships. And so that allows me to find great talent. Is people, you know, you just talk, I'm talking to people all the time and I'm asking them for recommendations for people. And I'm interviewing for roles that we're not even hiring for all the time. I'm meeting people all the time. You just want to know as much talent as you can and have as many relationships as you can. Because when you go out and you need to find your chief product officer, you don't want to start from scratch. That's for sure. You want to have a whole pipeline of people that you've spoken to. You know, I've met so many, pro- I mean, over the last couple of years, the number of product leaders I've met is enormous. I'd say I spend 50% of my time on this type of stuff, you know, give or take. Yeah, that's uh, certainly a common theme among several leaders and, and particularly the most successful ones. They tend to spend 50% of the time on talent management and people. Has your recruiting process evolved over time? Like, do you, do you still get involved in all the interviews of the company? I do. I actually still interview everybody we hire. Probably the evolution of that is we shrunk the time a little bit. So we'll do like 15 minutes and I ask a very few number of questions. At this point, I'm not really, I'm not interviewing them to say yes or no. It's kind of a tradition of acorns to say, this is how much we care about and prioritize people. And from our experience and learning with candidates, that translates really well because it emphasizes that Acorns is a company that cares about people. From a framework perspective, like from an operating perspective, we say people first, customer second, shareholders third. Now, we're talking in the middle of COVID, right? That's the huge elephant in every single room out there. Now, on one end, digitally native asset managers have actually benefited, right? But on the other end, a lot of your clients are struggling, right? How have you navigated this last six, seven, eight months. I don't even remember at this point. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we have some really interesting statistics around this, but because we study our customers and non-customers pretty closely, but like 40% of our customers actually have told us that they've needed to pull down some of their saving and investing during this time. 
I'm proud to say actually only 20% of our customers, of 20% say they've done that with Acorns. So that's good, but it is a very tough time. I mean, it's a very tough time. A lot of unemployment, a lot of struggling, furloughed workers are not actually getting rehired. The benefits and support system programs are running out. Unemployment starting to run out. All the PPE, the stimulus and stuff. We're headed toward a really, I mean, we're in a really difficult time. We're headed for an even more difficult time for the majority of, of the country. We have seen positive behavior on the Acorns platform from the perspective of people sticking with it. And I attribute that in large part to our education efforts and those messages that we're always delivering, stick with it, stay the course, every downturn ends in an upturn. You know, those kinds of messages that we feed our customers to make sure they're making as the best decisions for themselves. Back to the education and product combination, which is paramount to Acorn's mission, getting that content to people from a customer-centric perspective right there when they're making product decisions is really important. In investing, it's really important, right? Because when you see your performance go down, your first instinct is to pull your money out when you're not super familiar with how these things work. And so you really want to... During COVID, we moved actually to a daily cadence of newsletter where we were sending every day, you know, just a quick snapshot of what's happening, really objective. Here's how it affects your money. So. Did the engagement of these newsletters go up? Were, were users even more interested in, in these materials? Yeah, the open rate was quite good. And we also, in product, moved to a daily cadence. We're giving, you know, here's what's happening today. When things are unpredictable, when people are panicked, you like to think about what are all the ways you can create security and stability, you know, and being in touch, that's a good way. We have definitely several builders, entrepreneurs listening to this. And I think this whole conversation is definitely a lesson on leadership and entrepreneurship. But are there any particular reflections from you know, your time building a fintech unicorn? Are there any reflections that you'd like to highlight, particularly for aspiring builders? Yeah. Do what makes you come alive. Because if you don't feel that, if you don't, it's too much. So I would say stay really rooted in what, who you are, what makes you come alive as a person, and do it for yourself. This is not a performative thing. This is not about showing the world what you're made of. Like, do this for yourself, and you will find a lot more joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment in that. I think those are really important. You know, Make sure you're really clear about your values I connect a lot to having a real mission, you know, because, and I think that is an incredible glue for a company, not to fabricate one, because I I see a lot of mission statements that feel sort of fabricated to me, but to really, a mission is like your company is providing an essential service to society that's helping people. That, if you have that, and you can really do a good job of celebrating that internally, that becomes this really powerful glue for people where they feel connected to the organization above and beyond anything else, it's a connection to what the purpose of the organization is. That's the best bond, I think. And as a leader, I, I'm guessing also it's, it's hard to fake that, you know, a genuine passion for a long period of time. I mean, people can see through this. So if it's genuine, people will follow. And how about the road ahead? How do you envision, you know, the next few years for Acorns? Yeah, we have a a vision statement. Our vision statement is to build a financial wellness system that enables everyday Americans to save and invest every day. 
that's our kind of guiding. Like I said, saving and investing is the core for us. We sort of hung our hat on that idea that that is the thing that a financial services product should prioritize. I always talk about the financial services industry and banks as drop-down menus of options. You know, it's like you go to the bank websites and products and it's, it's just a drop-down menu of all these things that you don't kind of understand necessarily. You don't know how they work together. You don't know what purpose they serve. You don't sort of understand fully what's the intention of this organization or this, this company. So financial wellness system is these products should work together cohesively to help you save and invest as much money as possible. It's a very kind of purpose-driven notion. And this, the word system is really important because products working together as a system can help you in some fashion. Products that are just drop-down menus of options lead you down lots of different paths and doors so that you ultimately don't know where you're headed and, and don't necessarily end up in the right place. So that's really important for us. Sounds like you are definitely aiming for a well-oiled machine that works together like an engine. Great. Well, no, this has been fantastic. Before we let you go, one last question we'd love to ask, you know, what are some of those hobbies that allow you to disconnect for a little bit from acorns and then free up your mind? I'm a tennis player. So playing tennis for me, when I get to play, I play at least once a week. I'd like to play more shoulder problems. But that for me is a real outlet. You know, and then, and then there's the everyday rituals, right? Like I tell people this and people laugh, but I have a, a sort of ritual in the morning that is a little unusual because it's kind of counterintuitive. People like to take a shower because it wakes them up and blah, blah, blah. I take a hot bath <laughs> and I sit there, I think about my day, I try to relax, I try to breathe. You know, it's my kind of time and personal space to get ready for the day and to do it in a, in a slightly meditative way. I think it's important to find rituals in your life that allow you to have some space and kind of come down. And a lot of people like to sort of end the day that way. So it's a little, a little, a little odd to begin the day, that, but for me, that works. If it works, it's great. And can we find some of your jams anywhere, you know, any of your mixes and maybe Spotify or somewhere else? <laughs> I don't think right now. I think, I, I think they were on like tape cassette and VHS. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe some eight tracks. <laughs> no, this is great. Well, no, thank you again. Truly, truly appreciated. You know, you're uh, now uh, part of the Wharton family and you're always invited to stop by it at any time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. It means a lot and helps spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton Fintech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. We also want to extend a special thank you to our show editor, Rafael Ostria. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. 